Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Tony, I'm really good. How are you? Good to see your face again. Yes, yes, all good, yes. Uh, recently back from holiday, like your good self. How was yours? Uh, mine was really good, thank you. Just the, the typical Lanzarote holiday, which was pool, pool bar, buffet, pool, bar, buffet. A terrible Oasis tribute act and flamenco dancing. Um, I believe you went to an island named after uh, one of the things in our industry, which I love about you, Tony. Where did you go? <laughs> Not for that reason, no. We went we went to Rhodes. Yes, I like we, it. Um, yes, unfortunately, it was that um, yeah that that uh, tricky week when uh, a lot of the island was on fire. So the first couple of days were exciting for all the wrong reasons, but um, but a great holiday after that. You sent me a lovely video of you on a lilo enjoying a beer. So I don't think you were in too much danger. Uh, well, no, not by that point. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I'd send you that video. Uh, <laughs> it was 10 a.m. Yeah. So um, since our last uh, podcast for you, you'll remember we did our, our we called it uh, What Grinds Your Gears Out on the Road, the things that frustrate drivers. And we surveyed our drivers to find out. But it transpires that we started a trend film. Oh, go on. So Confused.com have just published their version of the very same thing. So I'd like to think that Confused.com, aspiring to the great heights of the Driver Hire podcast, are following in our footsteps. But they've surveyed their customers to find out uh, what frustrates them out on the road. We should have copyrighted that, shouldn't we? Honestly, (laughs) those little little fellas at Confused.com copying copying our, our worldwide podcast. Fair play to them. Well done. Uh, but I tell you what, there's there's a uh, there's a few things on theirs that didn't make it into our top ten, and the one that really jumps off the page at me, uh, which um, frustrated fifty two percent of their respondents, which was poor parking. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, especially in supermarkets, Tony. <laughs> supermarkets where they're just slightly over the line, and then they open the door on your door. Oh, oh ouch. Anyway, it's it's, it's uh, nice to know that we started a trend. But, um, but what's the plan for this week? Well, I think we're going to talk about, and um, I'm going to launch this now, is the 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 elementary, the basic things about taco rules that every HGV driver wishes they could ask, but they can't because they're too embarrassed to because they think they're so basic. Excellent. Right. Let's crack into it then. So, Tony, um, between us, we've compiled a list of things that drivers want to ask but den mm. about taco and working time and that kind of bit of a dry topic. But any HGV driver wanting to know the answer to a question that they den ask are best listening on for the next few minutes, aren't they? You will indeed, yeah. So, so the way the way we way we did this was to simply ask our drivers. The kind of things that that confuse them still confuse them now, or perhaps confuse them when they first started out. So hopefully, their their asking of these questions will will help kind of new drivers coming into it. Um, but I think yeah, before we crack into it, in my my observation is that if you've got a driver that works in a specific industry, so when I was a truck driver, I used to do continental work, horses and carts. Was that? What, when the accelerator was a whip? <laughs> <laughs> You've used that before, haven't you? 
well, it, once or twice, yeah. So, so, so back in my day, this was the early nineties. Um, I used to go to the south of France and back most weeks. Um, sometimes Spain, sometimes Italy, but mainly France. And the the the, the things that would really affect me was was trying to max out my driving time to get down to the south of France. How to minimise my overnight mm-hmm. rest breaks, things like the ferry rule. Um, so those were the things that that I lived and breathed on a daily basis. But if you sort of compare and contrast that with, let's say, a builder's merchant driver, perhaps with a lorry mounted crane, a high ab, um, where they're probably not even going to drive four and a half hours in a day. Um, so working time is far more important and the ferry rule doesn't even come into it. So the, the point I'm trying to get across is that depending on the sector that you work in, different rules will, will be more important than others. And it's and it's it's. Yeah, critical, of course, that you understand the things that you're doing. And my sympathy, therefore, is with an agency driver who could be going from, you know, a, a trunking job one day to a multi-drop job the next day. And, and we'll have to try and understand, a, you know, a, a variety of the different aspects of the rules. Anecdotally, Tony, um, I did my transport management CPC. Um, the, the very first one when the national and international uh, was combined. So I was a guinea pig for that. Um, 30% of what I learned was about the UK. 70% was about international. Now, the company I was working for had nothing to do with international, but because they were the first combined course, I learned how to move cattle through Slovakia at three o'clock on a Sunday morning, and it didn't apply to me. Right, yeah. So some of these rules don't apply to drivers. But in order to have your CPC and therefore be a fully qualified HGV driver, you have to know the rules just in case, don't you? Well, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. So let's um, let's work our way through. And 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 before we do, thank you to every single person that responded to us and was brave enough to say, actually, I don't understand this. Um, and so so thank you to all of you that responded. So let's um. Let's let's crack into it. What have we got first, Phil? Well, Tony, here's here's a good one that every HGV driver out there at some point will have either asked of themselves or will have been through this same situation. Here's the question. There's nowhere to stop for my break and I need to take one. What do I do? Panic. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's it's a it's it's a horrible thing if you if you're running out of time and you're coming up against your, your four and a half hour drive or or you know your nine hours for the day or whatever and you you've got to stop um and we've we've had a couple of similar questions so so you know I'm running out of time close to base I'm running out of time coming up to my break and the the answer is really the same and um, DVSA will probably say to you at the roadside you should have planned better. Um, so for example, if you've been driving four hours 15, that's not the time to join a motorway. That's the time to use the lay-by before the motorway to take whichever break you need before you get onto the motorway. Um, but if you know if you couldn't have foreseen perhaps a traffic jam on the motorway, so you, you join the motorway um half an hour's worth of journey, but you've got stuck in traffic and it's become an hour. Um, and you're running out of time and there's nowhere to stop, well, you just need to stop at the first safe place that you can find. Um, and if you've run over your hours, you need to make a manual entry, which means um, running some paper out of the tachograph head 
and just writing it out on the back to say exceeded four and a half hours driving or exceeded nine hours or, or whatever it happens to be and just explain the reason. Um, and of course, being on your tachograph, it's time and date stamped. Um, so it, it's, you know, it, it's technically a breach of the law, um, but it's mitigated by the fact that there's nothing you could have done about it as long as you didn't dive on the motorway when you had no time to, to you know, you're never going to have the time to do it. Tony, this is this is going to come up a lot today um, about DVSA or, or VOSA um, under a, a previous guise, but they they want to see that you're making an effort. They want to see that you're trying your best to stay within the rules. So if you're stopped by DVSA and you've got a manual entry that shows that you know that you've broken the law, but you're recording it, then they will they will look on that a lot more favourably. Than if you then start trying to mumble through, well, yeah, I know, and I, I know that I should have taken a break ten minutes ago, but but, but no, if you do a manual entry and you put it on the back and you say, yes, I I, had, I, I knew I I did what I did, but these are the mitigating circumstances. They're going to look a, a lot more favourably at you, aren't they? Absolutely. Okay, right. So hopefully, that's that one sorted, <laughs> isn't it? So, uh, so what's next, Phil? Uh, I think we should go for, can I change the mode later if I forget? No. <laughs> no to the question or? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So so basically, if you forgot to change the mode, you forgot to change the mode. Um, the only thing you can do is to take a printout and, um, and confess on the back of that slip that actually what I was doing at that time wasn't what the tachograph was recording. It may have said other work, but I was actually on break. I forgot to select the modes, um, select the correct mode. Um, that's all you can do. Uh, you can't time travel, Phil. It comes back to the manual entry thing, doesn't it? It, mm. it, 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 it actually helps you an awful lot. It's there to help you, not to punish you, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, that's an easy one, wasn't it? Yeah, what's next? <laughs> um, here's a good one uh, that's relating to our industry. As an agency driver, where and how do I dip my card? Well, dipping, um, I, I used that phrase, didn't I? Dipping the card. And you didn't, you'd never heard of that before. I'd, I'd never heard a driver ever say to me, dip my card. I kind of guessed what you meant when you said it, Phil. So I don't, I don't know if this is, a, is this a Hampshire thing. Is this a Hampshire colloquial expression? Dipping your card is is putting your card into the reader either at the beginning or the end of your shift, isn't it? Mm, exactly. So for an agency driver, um, you know, what you don't want to do is ever leave a customer's premises without having um, downloaded your card. Um, because if the customer wants that data, you're going to probably get that phone call three days later, which is, Phil... You didn't download your card when you were here three days days ago. Can you come back and do it, please? So, so just don't forget to do it. When when you at the end of the day, when you're giving your paperwork back, uh, you're giving the keys back. Just download your card at that point. That's the simplest, easiest way of doing it. Um, Supplementary question, Tony. Mm. What if you get back and everyone's gone home and you've got to put the keys through the letterbox? Well, that can happen. Um, and you know, if that's the last day of that assignment, yes, that's an absolute pain and you may need to go back. Some of our customers have um, uh, a card um, reader 
in a box on the wall outside mm. so you can still do it even though they might not be there so but um but best practice start and end of shift every shift that's the best practice but definitely when you're handing your keys over handing your paperwork over do you do you download or you dip at that point the trials and tribulations of being an agency driver huh? <laughs> yes yes <laughs> okay uh so tony what's the next question hit me so um, we've got a question here, which is, what, what do I do if I forget or lose my card? And actually, that's two different questions in one, isn't it, Phil? It is. It is, absolutely. I'll take it in two different stages. Uh, if you forget your card, there's nothing you can do. You can't drive. There's nothing you can do about it. You've forgotten your card. You've forgotten your card. The only thing you can do is go home and get it because you can't drive without the card. However, if you've lost your card, then something that we've mentioned before, you can do a manual entry. But you have to have sent off for a replacement card. You have to have done that. And it's always best practice to take a photo of the uh, the evidence of the fact that you've sent it off. Um, and the DVSA have got an obligation to send that to you within 15 working days so that you can continue to work. Mm. Um, so there you go. If you've forgotten your card, nothing you can do about it apart from going home. If you've lost your card, then yes, you can do a manual entry, but you've got to apply for one straight away. And to cover yourself, make sure you take photos of your application for your replacement in case you get stopped roadside, and then you can prove that you've done it. Excellent. Uh, generally speaking, they'll come back in less than a week, but they are obliged to get them back to you within 15 days. So, um, so yes, whatever you do, don't leave your card at home. Um, but if you have genuinely lost it, then um, yes. Um, uh, it's like it's like leaving your safety boots at home, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's an important part of your kit. Yeah, go back and get them. Yes. You wouldn't leave without your sandwiches, would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Tony, I got a multi question for you here. Are you ready? Mm, I'm braced and ready. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to combine three questions in one. So, okay. Uh, here we go. So, what is the difference between driving and working time? A very popular question. What is the 17, 18-week rule? And what is the night working limit? In three, two, one, go. So what we're really talking about is the road transport working time regulations of 2005. So, so this is um, just, just to go back a, a, a large stride. Um, Originally, we had something called the working time regulations. So, so these were the work. The working time regulations were all about limiting the amount of work a worker could do um, in a given week or in a given reference period, driving or otherwise. Yeah, sorry, driving or otherwise. Ah, this this is nothing to do with driving. This is simply European law about working time. Yeah, yeah. when that law first came in, uh, which was in the late nineties. the road transport industry said, whoa, leave us alone. We've got driver's hours rules. We don't need any of that stuff. Leave us alone. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll look after ourselves. Thank you very much. So, so the road transport sector was effectively um, exempt from the working time regulations when they mm-hmm. first came in. But then we had this kind of subset of the working time regulations, which was the road transport working time regulations and the reason this was important was because as as we well know drivers don't just drive and rest they do 
work as well so work might be loading it might be checking the vehicle it might be um cleaning the vehicle it could be a, a whole number of things mm-hmm. where the driver is working but not driving so the road transport working time regulations were designed um to to cover that and and actually if you think about it it makes perfect sense because you know back in the day um i, I may have given this example before but i remember one particular day I loaded a trailer in Bristol full of satellite dishes that had to go to France. And I literally handball loaded an entire trailer of satellite dishes. It took hours, um, but I hadn't driven. I, I literally, that's the first thing I did that morning was to do that loading. I left there to drive to Dover to get on a ferry. Um, Bristol to Dover, I'm guessing, what was that? Four hours, three and a half, four hours mm-hmm. or something. You know, I was dog tired. I was shattered. Um but I was doing nothing illegal back in the 90s before the road transport working time regulations. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's that kind of example that this particular law um, was introduced to protect drivers against, which basically said, Tony, if you spent four or five hours loading boxes onto a truck, um, actually, we're going to stop you at six hours. No worker can now work more than six hours without taking a break and that's um that's regulation seven of the road transport working time regulations um so six hours absolute maximum so in my example i couldn't have driven to dover from bristol having spent four or five hours loading boxes first i would have had to have taken a break at six hours um and they and the rule says that if you're going to be working more than six and less than nine hours you need to have half an hour total break you can split that up into 15 minute blocks um, and if you're going to be working over nine hours, you need 45 minutes break. So regardless of your driving time, that working time um, you know, will create those limits. In terms of the, the other parts of your question, you mentioned the 17, 18 week rule. Yeah. And you mentioned the night working limit. Well, these are two things which um, sit within the road transport working time regulations but can be what is called derogated from. So the night work limit says that if you're working at night, you can't work more than 10 hours mm-hmm. in your total shift. Yeah. Um, and night is defined as for a truck driver between midnight and four in the morning. So if any part of your shift sits between midnight and four in the morning, you can't work more than 10 hours mm-hmm. unless that particular employer has created a workforce agreement that the no. uh, a group of drivers have agreed to, which would derogate or or put it in simple language, ignore that rule with mm-hmm. the consent of the workforce. And this 17, 18 week rule is about reference periods. So um so I'm still with you, Tony. I'm still with you. Keep <laughs> okay. going. You're doing well. Come on, sometime. <laughs> So the 17-18 week rule is just literally um, a way of carving up the year into three blocks, um, and and the, yeah, the, where, where the calendar falls determines whether it's 17 or 18 weeks. But it creates a reference period of effectively, let's call it a third of a year, mm-hmm. um, and that third of a year, it, on average, you may not work. Work being a combination of driving and other non-driving work, you may not work more than an average of 48 hours per week um, during that time. 
but again that's one of those things that through workforce agreement it can be derogated from mm -hmm. um, and there's all sorts of things you can have rolling reference periods you could have reference periods up to 26 weeks and this is something that allows particular employers to to create their reference periods around their kind of work schedules to you know to, to make it more bespoke for their particular industry so um, if you're unsure about it, you just need to speak to your employer um, because there could be a group of drivers that have been there before you that were part of that um, elected committee that, um, you know, uh, agreed to derogate. So you may not know what that rule is without asking the question. Fantastic. OK, take a drink now, Tony, because that, that, that was brilliant. That, that, that knowledge is fantastic. You've, you've, you've taught me some stuff and anybody else that's listening to this yeah you've put it in really good terms there well done mike well hopefully hopefully that was clear so phil what's next so tony the next one what about paying back reduced rest here we go ah yes this this is um this is one that's actually it's not that complicated but it it, it can be difficult to explain so the first thing you need to understand is a standard weekly rest period is no less than 45 hours on block so a continuous mm -hmm. rest of 45 hours you should do that every single week however yeah. once a fortnight you've got the option to reduce that weekly rest so anything less than 45 hours is reduced but it can't ever be less than 24 so in other words a weekly rest period of 24 hours or anything up to you know under 45 hours so 44 mm -hmm. and a half hours for example that is a reduced weekly rest period you've borrowed some time from the hours bank and you've got to pay it back it's yeah, as simple yeah. as that now um to give it a practical example let's just say you are a driver working for a builder's merchant you work monday to friday every other week you're required to work saturday mm -hmm. so it could be the case that by the time you finish on saturday you haven't got enough hours. Let's say, for an argument's sake, you finish at six o'clock on Saturday evening and you start work again at six o'clock on Monday morning. It's only, it's only 36 hours between six o'clock Saturday and six o'clock Monday morning. So that 36 is less than your 45. It's nine hours less than the 45. You owe the hours bank nine hours. And you have to pay that back within three weeks following the reduction and you can add that to a weekly rest period or a daily rest period so in practical terms let's use that example again mm -hmm. you're you're the builder's merchant driver you finished you've done a six-day week you finished at six o'clock on the saturday evening you started again six o'clock monday morning you owe nine hours because you only had a 36 mm -hmm. this next weekend coming up let's just say you finished at six o'clock on friday evening Mm -hmm. And you're not going to start again until six o'clock on Monday morning. Yep. So you've got a grand total of 60 hours of rest now between six o'clock Friday evening and six o'clock Monday morning. Well, that 60 hours is actually 45 plus 15. So you've easily accommodated that nine hours that you owe. So that just gives a kind of practical example. But the rule mm -hmm. is when you take a reduced weekly rest period, anything under 45 hours, but can't be less than 24. Whatever you've borrowed, you have to pay back by the end of three weeks following that reduction. This is great podcasting, Tony. 
This is really good. I'm, sp- I'm supposed to know all of this, and you're teaching me. <laughs> we got we got one left, Phil. Okay, Tony. This is the sexiest one of the lot. Um, is is talking about splitting the forty-five minute break. Ah, yes. So, um, so the rules changed some years ago about splitting the break, and um, and what it what it basically says is that the forty-five minute break is the break that a driver must have after no more than four and a half hours driving. So whether that's four and a half hours straight or four and a half hours, um, you know, accumulated, you have to have a 45 minute break, Mm -hmm. but you have the option to split that break up and have it in, in two portions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the, the, um, the minimum portion that counts is 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. but one of them has to be 30. So it's a 15 and a 30 minute break, although I'd always recommend at least 16 and 31 and um, just because tachyg- digital tachygraphs round to the minute. So just be careful with that. Well, it makes more sense, doesn't it, Tony? Because at the, at the earlier part of your shift, you're not as tired. So you mm. should take the smaller break. And then towards the end of your four and a half hours, you need a longer break. So, yeah, if, if that makes it easier for, for, for understanding, you need a shorter break at the beginning and a slightly longer one as you get inside throughout your four and a half hours. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think it's easy way of memory. Yeah, the, the longer one, the thirty is a bit nearer lunchtime if you're working mm-hmm. during the day, and um, you might want a bit longer to eat. That's another way of remembering it. But um, but yeah, um, so you can split that forty-five minute break, and you split it into a fifteen and thirty in that order. And chronologically, it works because 15 mm. comes before 30, becomes before 45, which is four and a half hours. So there you are. There yeah. you are. We've answered all the questions, Tony, tonight. Yep. But you don't have to split that break. It can be, it, you can do the 45 minute on block. That's not a problem. Although I would say do 46, not 45, just to be sure. I think I need a taco break now, Tony. Goodness me. Or a working <laughs> time directive one. Who knows? Well, take, take your pick. <laughs> Oh no, I, th- I think I think that's been really interesting, Phil, because um, you know the, the angle that we came when we're talking to the drivers, the angle we came at with them was, you know, what what are those questions you're too embarrassed to stick your hand up in a CPC course because you think you're supposed to know, and you know, and it, it goes back to that old thing: the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. But I can understand why an experienced driver might be embarrassed to put their hand up on a on something that they're not familiar with that perhaps they don't use every day in front of, you know, maybe younger drivers. Um, and they, you know, perhaps just, just, just don't want to stick their head above the parapet. So um, hopefully this is a, a good forum for getting it out there. And on a podcast, they can listen back and back and back just in case they want to re-educate themselves all the time in those rules, because we all forget them. Yeah. I've forgotten half of what you said tonight. I fell asleep for half of it, but it, it's, <laughs> it's it's good to be able to refer back to it, even if you don't want to read it. You know, you can glaze over sometimes googling stuff. So sometimes it's better in 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 audio um, than it is in 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 the the written word to be able yeah. to understand stuff. So yeah, congratulations, Tony, for taking ninety nine percent of the heavy lifting tonight. Thank you. I was in the easy chair. <laughs> and uh, in, in all seriousness, if anybody's listened to this and they want clarification, we have got um, more material than you could shake a stick at. And if anybody wants anything sent to them, posted, emailed, whatever, we've got information aplenty. 
Uh, it's all over our website as well. So, um, you know, if you want further information, please do get in touch. But uh, I am I'm the master of stupid questions, Tony. So if anybody wants to come to me and ask a stupid question, believe me, I've asked more stupid ones than that in the past. So, yeah, come to me. Come to me. So you've been listening to the Driver Hire podcast. Thank you very much indeed. So it's goodbye from me, Tony, from Driver Hire Croydon and Sutton. It's a goodbye from me, Phil, from Driver Hire Royal Guildford. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Royal Guildford. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at the Driver Hire Podcast uk and uh, if you have enjoyed it please do rate review and subscribe and we look forward to talking to you next time bye everyone bye.